0: Right, this is the QuoCast, and very delighted today to be joined via the medium of Skype by Ian White from the tribute band Counterfeit Quo. I've heard of them, I'm sure you have as well. He is, uh, by his own admission, the Rossi of the group. How did that um, whole journey begin for you?
1: Well, with this particular band, uh, I was contacted via YouTube because I was in a previous Quo tribute band called Quo Motion from Birmingham we started there about 2010 went 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 going with about eight to about eight years never really got we got we got did some good festivals and stuff but it never really passed the sort of pub stage which is quite frustrating because it is a it is it's is a good band that and they have actually started up again recently but the guys from um count it they've been going for 20 about 22 years and they've um they do a I suppose a nicer level of gigs, they kind of do butlins and hotels and theatres, so it's a, it's the next level above and they've got a really good reputation in the industry, being a really professional, solid band, and there Rossi was leaving them, so they contacted me, I think I did a depth for them in about 2016, 15 I think it was, they liked what I did and um, I joined, so I joined officially in 2016, and so that's three years in now, and um, loving loving every minute of it
0: they are as you say one of the top tribute bands out there i mean how did you come into quo you said you're in quo motion i do remember that that group being around how did you yourself become a fan
1: I, i remember quite clearly um watching um the tv with my dad when i was a kid i must have been about 10 11 12 years old and end of the road 84 milton Keynes came on must have been bbc or itv just came on the tv in those days, we only had three or four channels, and um, I remember just being gobsmacked by the. I knew nothing about Quo, never heard them before, and then just the riffs, the, the guitar, the power of them, and the just that sh- incessant shuffle beat. It's such a powerful video, I think, to watch. It's such a great, obviously a massive audience and a great um, occasion, a lot of theatre there. It's just a fantastic uh, video to watch, and I think the next day I went out and I bought Power Driver, or I asked my dad to buy me Power Driver. And, I remember the image of that, the, the Pardo with the long hair hanging down, the legs apart. That looked such, you know, it was kind of like almost pantomime classic rock, how a rock band should look. And uh, obviously they sounded like it as well. I've been a fan ever since. I've seen them loads of times in every, well, first time I saw them live would be on the Ain't Complaining Tour. That'd be 1988, I think that was. Um, so I never saw the classic Frantivore, although I did see them in 2014 when they're kind of reformed, but not in the original 70s lineup. And there's just something about it that just the music just makes me smile, makes me laugh, makes reminds me of good times. And um, they're much maligned as people people think they're this kind of brainless three chord only you know musicians, but they're a lot more subtle and a lot more interesting than people give them credit for. But I think they use it as a it's a marketing tool really. Three chord quo, and, you know, as we all know, Ross is laughing to the bank. You know, he's multi millionaire and living very high on his on his career. So. Yeah, very happy to be uh, listening to it and playing it and um, having great fun with it with the guys in Counterfeit.
0: There is this kind of misguided simplicity, isn't there? There's a real simplicity to it that is not easy to achieve. How did you go about um, mastering that yourself? As what is probably one of the hardest things to do in a quote tribute band.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Actually, I mean, a lot of it is is kind of just in. It's kind of like muscle memory now from being since I started playing guitar, which, you yeah, know, probably Martin Knopfler and Francis Rossi were my guitar heroes when I started out. It's just been playing those riffs all these times. But there is um I remember reading a documentary once or watching a documentary with uh, Jeff Lynn. He was saying he was talking about quo and he's just said to make something simple sound exciting is very, very difficult to do. And they do it in spades. There's not many people that can just do a effectively a basic twelve bar shuffle. And make it sound memorable and interesting. I mean, yeah, you know, we'll still listen to paper playing, what's that? Forty years later. And it's essentially it's just a blue a fast blues. And um, but that's what Blow my and Trumpet. The the Ross being a Rossi in a in a band is really quite a unique if you think if you think about people through history, you know, if you think of like Brian May, Eddie Van Halen, you know, these great guitar players, Joe Set Try like they are fantastic instrumentalists. But what Rossi does, he sings all nine percent of the tunes. He does all the onstage chat he's the front man he's the focal point on stage and he's a great guitar player and obviously a great songwriter as well there's not many people i can think of there's probably mark not from might be one who is the lead guitarist lead singer the front man the main focal point well it's a lot more difficult than people think you know to get standing on stage remembering all the words remembering how to stand which song comes next introduce the band a little bit of light-hearted chat get all the riffs right get the solos right um, and look like you're relaxed which he does is um yeah, it's quite an undertaking. It's a lot, lot more work than you'd expect.
0: Well, yes, it's one of the reasons that I never took up music as a, as a full-time thing, because it's very difficult remembering everything. I'm certainly really bad at that. I used to have to have the set list written down and, and all sorts of things. But speaking of set list, where when you're... Um, thinking it up obviously i've I've spoken to previous bands and they've all got their own take on it but how do you go about compiling a set list for a gig
1: with um previous band quo motion we're very much into the it's got to rock it's got to be hard it's got to be heavy it's you know it's got to be original quote and that is absolutely fantastic but unfortunately i mean you can you can bear that out with quo set list now when you're playing to perhaps not you know a hardcore partisan crowd if you need to grab the the minds and the the hearts of the the sort of casual listener. You need to basically have the hit. So our, our set list, Catfish, used to do the heavy soft backwater and just take me and all this, and it was fantastic. But you know you'd be playing to forty people who would love it, and thirty people who weren't that interested. So we now do the kind of it's we basically mirrors quo now. So I mean for example our images, it's the black jeans, it's the black waistcoat, the white shirt. You know it's the very modern, you know sort of rhino on the bass type of look and the set list um, echoes that so we start with Caroline but then you go into something about your baby I like Mean Girl Um, we put things like Margarita Time and some of the probably the hardcore fans would snigger at that but ultimately it gets people on the dance floor Yeah, The Wanderer what you're proposing really all the hits with a few with a few deep cut tracks in there but we don't go too heavy because it does kind of alienate people sometimes so we put things like Dirty Water Don't Drive My Car even though that was a hit single when we do a rock club, we will, we will pull out all the heavy stuff. So we'll put in 4,500 times, big fat mama, um, don't ask for time, things like this. Some roadhouse Blues occasionally, juniors wailing, but it really does mirror what Quo do now. Because I think by their own admission, I mean, Francis Rossi said it, even back in the 80s, he said, um, they do 4,500 times, at someone like the NEC in Birmingham. And the first four or five rows would be loving it, but the people at the back are kind of zoned out a little bit. So you've got to basically give the people what they want. So it's, Pretty much hits hits with a few deep cuts is where we come from. And it yeah, it works well for us, I think. I think we're one of the busiest bands out there, to be honest. We do 40 to 50 shows a year. We get quite well paid for it as well. Don't tell the tax man. And, um, yeah.
0: Well, I'm sure with all those gigs that you must have a story or two from them.
1: Okay, so um, we're doing a gig in uh, Harrogate on Saturday night. Uh, funny little story. Um, a guy came into the dressing room after the show. And um, we sort of joked, you know, we've got backstage pass, etc. And he said, I've got to tell you something, boys. He said, um, and I, I forgot his, his name was Alan. Sometimes I forgot what his name was, but we can look it up. Anyway, he said, I used to work for Phonogram back in the 70s, which obviously was um, record company who owned Vertigo. And he said, I knew the band really quite well. And I came to his gig. Um, he obviously retired now. He's a, he's a, I think he's about his 70s wondering how you're going to pull this off you know he said i used to design all the band's albums so he's designed blue for you album artwork and live and pile drive and everything i think he did it up to about 1980 and he worked with the band quite well he said he got to know them quite well one on two of them and he just apart from you know i don't want to say how he wasn't saying how brilliant we were but he said how you got all the so the music was great you know he played it really well but all the little mannerisms and the sort of standing together and the little chats and the talking and he said it was really um, absolutely spot on but it was just it was just great to meet someone that um, had worked with the band and uh, i mean somebody working on the blue few album cover it's just it's a bit of a rock classic isn't it really a nice little nice little uh, conversation we had with him and he was he said you know gave us our best wishes and said it was a really really good show and how it really echoed even though we mentioned before about how we asset list is like the hits really what quo did now he said it was how we looked Physically is the way I'm looking for. Physically, sorry, is way we look. He said it was a real heart back to how he knew them in the sort of 77, 79, 80 sort of days. Um, great to meet him.
0: Well, I'm sure it was, and uh, it's good to hear that he enjoyed the gig. Um, do you have any gigs coming up?
1: This Saturday we'll be in Wareham in Dorset. The next weekend we got two gigs. I think one's in Reading, one's in Wales. I think it's pretty much, August is pretty much every weekend for pretty much the rest of the year. I think I think gets towards sort of December and it quiets down a little bit, um, but we kick off again sort of after Christmas, um, New Year's, and it kicks off again. So it's pretty much every weekend.
0: Well, it's always good to be busy when you're working in a band like that because it kind of keeps you tight. Is there anything um, musically that you that maybe you've had a go at? I mean, you mentioned that they used to do backwater and and things like that. Is there anything that you've not been able to nail that you really want to?
1: We keep trying um with mystery song and it never kind of seems to gel and there's not many people that can really nail that vocal like parfit and even though our parfit i call him nick parfit his name's nick in our band nick Parfitt. um he's a great singer i'm not sure he's quite as comfortable with that screaming rage so mystery song is one that evades us a little bit but most everything else has kind of gone quite well i think uh, yeah, Mystery Song's the, the one.
0: Well, yes, it is a difficult one because there's all sorts of effects going on and there's there's lots of different um, elements in there that I'm surprised that uh, the actual band themselves managed to pull it off these days.
1: Yeah, yeah, obviously we've got... Um, I haven't seen him live yet, but Richie Malone seems to be doing a good job of it, but I think they did pull away from it a few years after Rick's passing. He's um, obviously... Um, he left that one well alone, but he seems to have the confidence now to push it. But it is... a uh, yeah, it is a difficult one. And obviously they do it majority of the time in a medley, don't they? Well, they have done of recent years. So it's never been the quite the full the full track. Yeah, so tough tough one for, I think for anyone to emulate that is his his vocals.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I've got something we're gonna pull away from Counterfeit Quo just for a second. But some something a little bit controversial. What are your thoughts on Richie Malone? I know that you've not actually seen him live yet.
1: I think he's done a fantastic job. One thing I think is really I think it's really good. I've seen pictures of him in the past when he used to have long hair and he was a bit of a, a perfect lookalike. And um, I don't know if you cut it short not to be like look like him, but it seemed like an obvious choice by Rossi not to have a, a sort of a lookalike. when well, I'm sure there's a few out there. But he, he he's a fantastic guitar player, great sound. But I think like anybody, probably the first couple of shows, he probably wasn't as confident as he'd like to have been, but you can see him last couple of years really stepped up. I've only seen him on YouTube videos his vocals have grown immensely um, and his guitar playing is, has always been there. And they seem to have, him and Rossi seem to really gel. Yeah, obviously him and Parfit had a fantastic career together. Reading his book, actually, the the um, I Talk Too Much, which I've read recently, they were saying how they had a, they're probably you know, The last 10 years was a bit tumultuous and wasn't quite the sort of best buddies we all thought. But um, they seem to very quickly, in a couple of years, got a really good chemistry on stage. In fact, the bass player in our band, um, John, he's seen them. He's been on a festival. He's in a few other bands. He's been on a festival where Quo were headlining. So he's actually backstage with them. And um, I mean, not hanging out, but you, you saw them. And he set out the best they've sounded for years and years and years. He was really impressed. So I'm looking forward to trying to catch them when i can
0: yes i've seen a few uh of the videos myself i've been very impressed have you actually met any of the band yourself
1: yeah quite a funny story actually yeah years ago I mean, long oh, this would be late 80s my sister actually won um a competition with a local paper to meet the band and get a gold record so we went we met them backstage at the nec this would be about 1990 something like that and um, met all the band got a gold record um i actually gave rossi my a demo tape, of the, I was in an, an original band at the time trying to be a rock star, didn't f- didn't really work, <laughs> um, and gave it, I gave Ross, had a good chat with them, had a good chat with all the guys, and the one thing I remember is Harvey Goldwith, who's a bit of a legendary uh, promoter in the industry, was sitting backstage, and I the remember there was a massive bucket filled with ice and Budweiser, and I remember thinking it was really rock and roll, it was just this room just full of beer and there was nothing else in it, and a couple of guys just hanging out, so, yeah, um, and I met them on a book tour as well. They got I got some stuff signed once on a book tour. I remember speaking to Rossi quite a like, lot. I was being a bit of a guitar nerd and asking him about how he gets his sound. And I was asking him about what amps he's using. And we had quite a, well, for me, quite an interesting chat. Yeah, it was good.
0: In terms of your guitar playing and things, do you think it's important? I mean, how hard is it to nail that sound?
1: I wouldn't say it's hard to nail it, but it's easy to over go too aggressive with the sounds a lot of people i've seen a lot of bands whether it's cover bands or tribute bands where they have over, over distorted guitars people think they have their guitars really loud and really heavy and if you listen to the, some of these particularly the early stuff it's a very loud dynamic but almost a clean sound down down would be a classic example when the when the guitars thunder in it sounds incredibly powerful because it's quite a clean sound. Um, so the important thing to do is not have too much distortion. And He's got, he's got loads of confidence and charisma and swagger Rossi has with his guitar playing. Um, it's almost like, a, especially some of his early solos, I think of something like um, Fine, Fine, Fine off the Quo album. It's like a almost like a, a country sort of solo. Very clean, very precise, very confident, very fast, very... Or um, elegant, really, really well, uh, really well worked out against the diatonic um, chord to the solo. Um, yes, yeah, so basically cleaner, cleaner and louder is the thing, not too distorted. That's probably going a bit too nerdy on the guitar thing, but um, that's one. That's one mistake I see a lot of people do. And you've got to really back off the overdrive.
0: Well, yes, which is why the more modern um, Quo material that have that has come out has got that kind of clean thing to it, and people say oh, it's not heavy enough, and you think, well, actually, it's close to what was there it's just produced slightly differently
1: yeah absolutely you're absolutely right it's um, the, the early stuff was really really clanging and, and, and really quite clean surprising, and quite surprising some of the heaviest bands in terms of rhythm guitar players if you think of Malcolm Young out of ACDC Tom Rello from uh, Range Against the Machine their guitar sounds they're not they're really not that distorted they're not that heavy but they play with such power such they command the sound so well I sort of thing Parfit did um, there was a little bit of drive there but the great guitar players that you know they use they use their power to get the sound through um if you have the right hand I should say um, rather than using the amp
0: well that that is very true you mentioned that uh, pile driver was your first quo album do you have a particular one of choice
1: i really am fond of pile driver uh, but the one that, to me that I, there's not a duff track on it i really like whatever you want um i think especially the last two tracks where they put them together um Come Rock With Me, is it? And, and rocking On. rocking On, yeah. How it just, it just segues together. It's just their, their sound there. It's just, they're just really good. For me, the, the late 70s, they'd peaked at there. They'd got the production right. They got the songwriting right. The, the, obviously, the lineup was powerful. Um, so that 79 was a really, really good sound for me. I, I love that. Have you got any favourites?
0: Do I have any favourites? Well, some that wouldn't be popular among hardcore. I, I am quite fond of the late 80s. Um, albums, Your yeah, Perfect Remedy and um, Ain't Complaining. But personally, my, my personal favourite is On The Level because it's just that driving force, the whole, as you say um, about the Whatever You Want album, there isn't a duff track on it, in my opinion. It's just wall-to-wall sound, but not over the top.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I'm a, I'm a really big fan of... Well, in, Ain't Complaining was the first tour I saw, but I really love the in the I'm Out Al- album, which I was surprised to learn in the in the book ross is saying how it was such a sort of a, a mismatch of uh, different writers and you know it was kind of stitched together at the last minute almost the way he was describing it. he was so he was also um i think he's quite well known he was sort of using substances and he wasn't quite the full the full shilling and um, to me it sounds a like really great complete album from start to finish really nice production great songs so, yeah, I, I do like this and the 80s stuff as well.
0: Well, it seemed, I mean, I've I've read the book as well. I really enjoyed it. Um, it seems that that album was an attempt at cracking the pop market, um, which, you know, which, of course, they were going to in, in that period. They needed it to be a success. And I think in some ways there there are a couple of um, exceptions where you're thinking, well, this is a bit, a bit of a weird direction. Um, tracks like Speechless and things like that, but then there are others that kind of nail it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they had to, um, I think I remember reading at the time that Rossi's idea was, you know, I think Parfit wanted to go down a, a much heavier route and Rossi, I think, quite rightly said, no, we need to capture, like you say, the the synths and the, the keyboards and the, mo- the more popular end. And, you know, I think in the army now was, I think, number two in the UK, but number one in a lot of countries around the world. So the sort of lighter end was the way to go. And I th- Read his book, which you said you have, they seem to have got more successful as the 80s, probably 80s and 90s went on. Um, to, certainly in terms of financially, whether the fans like what they're doing or not, but that you know, end of the day, that to pay the bills and keep the crew going and keep the keep the trainer rolling. Um, so the the popular side, I think had saved
0: them really and of course once the 90s came around and and David Walker got involved and they they got more involved in uh in more media and press and uh, and things like that and it just got bigger and bigger which is why of course they're still around now
1: yeah yeah I think that I think there is at the time they had to just take, they had to take they made it more of a brand not a band didn't they and they had to just do what they need to do to um to to keep the to keep the money rolling and keep the punters keep the punters interested and you can't always do that with, you know, you can't make original music. I think a good a good reference point to that is, you, you know, you think of the Rolling Stones. I, I think they had a blues album out about a couple of years ago, but I can't remember the last time they had a, would it be 90s or something? 20 odd years ago when they had an album out and they're, they're still touring, there, but they make themselves relevant in different ways. But, um, you yeah, know, they're iconic sort of, um, the tongue and all that sort of stuff and the, the merch they sell. But in terms of a, of a valid band, you'd say they're not really, but they're still a massive, massive draw, so... You have to just go with um, what the public wants. Sometimes,
0: well, yes, and I think as well, the bigger the brand in band terms, um, the easier it must be to to do a tribute because you've got so much to draw upon.
1: Yeah, in, in a way, in a way, it's yeah, I mean, it's it's a real blessing because you've got so much material to to work with. You've got so much loyalty oh. and love for the band out there. It's um, I wouldn't say it's almost kind of like you, you pitch your tent up and everyone turns up. And, you know, you do have to work hard at these things, but it's great to it's great to have a band like that to draw from. And, and we always say the um, a lot of times we do, we do two set lists. We do, uh, two sets at, at a gig. And, um, the second set is just absolute, you know, just a wall of hits. And, um, it's, I mean, there's, we can't leave any band really that, I mean, there's 10, 12 tracks in a row, you know, you think what are you proposing and in the arm and I roll over, lay down, whatever you want. Yeah. You know, just goes on and on and on. And the dance floor is generally just up and rocking from the moment you, you know, the moment we start to the moment we finish. And, um, not many bands have got that sort of pull in their back catalogue.
0: No, that that is very true. So you are in the tribute band Counterfeit Quo. If they wanted to find out more about it, where would they need to go?
1: Really easy place. Just search for Counterfeit Quo on Facebook, or it's uh, CounterfeitQuo. dot is the email. Um, everyone everyone seems to search things on Facebook these days. We haven't got a Twitter handle yet, um, but uh, we're just keeping it t- to those at the moment. And hopefully, we'll see you in a venue real soon
0: yes um because you do theatres and things like that don't you
1: yeah theatres um we we do um we've got a contract with um a place called the warner's hotel which is like an adults only hotel um not that adult but you know just no kids <laughs> and um we do those all around the country a lot of theatres a lot of Isle of white theatres um butlins as well some, some holiday camps which are really great gigs because you've got this um you've got this kind of audience that are just desperate to be entertained and the curtains pull back and you've got sort of 3,000 punters sort of waiting to, I mean, they're not there to see you specifically, but there might be three or four acts and then it's like a, they'll theme it as like a seventies rock weekend or a head, headbangers weekend, whatever. And we're sort of in the mix there. Um, the butlins are great shows actually, because you could be, you could be on with some sort of pretty decent stars of, you know, a couple of years ago. So, you know, you might be, we found ourselves funnily enough headlining over Paul Young. Um, he, Unfortunately, his voice did not sound as good as I'd like it. Or thought it would be people like Toy Wilcox and, uh, and Bad Manners, these sort of people. And it's quite some of those. are a bit weird, actually. Sort of, you're in a bigger dress room, or you're on a, on the time later than them. And, um, and there's uh, Slade played there with us as well. Slade there a few times. It's the one without Noddy Holder, I think. There's a few Slade bands, of the Butlins. But yeah, the Butlins are great gigs to do
0: yes indeed well i wish you the greatest success with it and thank you ian for coming on the podcast today
1: thank you jamie it's been a pleasure to talk to you